0: Him who's on the throne It's forever yours
1: God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you for this opportunity to be together, Lord God. We reverence you. Lord God, open our hearts to receive from your word tonight. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lives and in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. While you're sitting down, a couple just reminders. Ladies' night is this Sunday from 4 to 7. If you haven't signed up, if you'd like to bring a guest, you can still sign up in the back. And then um, we have a sign-up back there for people that will help with Jesus Day. Jesus Day is our big kids event, and we we always need help. And this year we're going to order T-shirts, so we need to get you signed up and get your size so we can get those ordered ahead of time. So, um, Mike is meeting on the other, over in the other room with the guys that, and gals, or guys, I think, that uh, are working with follow-up and discipleship. So, we're gonna, I'm going to take some time and talk to you about some things tonight, and we'll go from there. I don't know about you, but it seems like the business of life has just escalated in the last few years. Do you feel busier than you've ever been? I mean, you know, COVID, everything kind of shut down and everything was stalled. And in a way, that was pretty nice in a lot of respects. And now things have changed, but it isn't just the natural things. Spiritually, things have sped up. Years ago, quite a few years ago, Um, We did a message on ebb and flow, and it was about the seasons of God. You have a season of God where things are a little slower and kind of on an ebb and then a flow. Well, we're in the flow right now, and I think that's what it is. Spiritually, things have taken on a whole new level of activity, and we're in a season of flow, and I think that it's only going to multiply. So... We really are concentrating and trying, on, trying to get some things prepared. Now, personally, individually and corporately, we have to be, and I keep talking to people about it, we've got to be more organized. I'm not naturally that organized. I have to really work at it. And my organizational level has to come up another notch. Um, We have to manage our time better, more effectively, and we have to communicate better, because if we can communicate better, we can work together better, and it's going to take all of us working together. So we have to work together more efficiently, because uh, one, one or two people can't do it all. With that in mind, I'm going to offer some suggestions. Just this, just, me, some suggestions on how we might accomplish this. Some things that I've been thinking about, praying about, God's been speaking to me about. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to start in Luke 17. And I'm not going to read really... Uh, this, the chapter. I just go over that, and then we'll stop. Go into verse eight, chapter 18. In verse 20, 17, verse 20, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and in their religious thinking way, they asked him about when would the kingdom of God come. And they, of course, th- only were thinking in the natural. They thought it was going to be a kingdom set up on earth in the natural. And Jesus was talking spiritually speaking and they didn't get that. And then then after he's done dealing with them, he was kind of short with them. And then it goes on in verse 22 and then he started talking to his disciples. And he and he start talking about the future, the days will come and what to look for and and all these things and and so we're, he's dealing with and explaining all this to his disciples. He said in verse thirty one, in that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember, lost wife, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in the night there will be two men, one in two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other left. I could make a joke about that, but I'll refrain. <laughs> signs of the end times <laughs> two women will be grinding together the one will be taken and the other one left two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left so they're looking about the signs and the of the end time and they answered and said to him where Lord so he said to them wherever the body is there the eagles will be gathered together and this is all a whole nother teaching we won't get into that but then so they're talking about end times and and future events and what's coming and what to do and how to recognize it and all this stuff and he has one simple answer verse 8 chapter 18 verse 1 then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to to pray and not lose heart. And so that's what I want to talk to us about tonight. We all know the importance of prayer. Sometimes I think we'll kind of it kind of goes on the back burner and we get busy, but we should all know the importance of prayer. We ought to take this advice Men always ought to pray. And I know, you know, you hear about these great revivalists and different people. There's a guy named Father Nash, and he would go out ahead of one of the great evangelists, and he would do nothing but pray for days on end. And then the windows of heaven, it was like it would open up. And they talk about Oral Roberts, and they talked about he never spent great long hours in prayer. But they said he never went 15 minutes without praying. There was always a consistency, always prayer going forth. And so it's important, and I think more than ever, we are in a time and a season where we've got to pray corporately, but individually. And we need to stir ourselves up to that fact. Prayer is essential. We all know that we should pray, but too often we relegate prayer to mealtime, bedtime, emergencies, and last resorts. One call and responsibility of every Christian is to pray. I, you know, I'm always hearing from people, well, I don't know what I'm called to do. I'm not, I don't know what I'm called to do. What should I? If you don't know what else to do, pray. Spend time with God. For one thing, spending time with God, he'll direct you specifically, but... We, we need more people praying. And as time gets busier, you know, we ha- that's where we have to learn to manage our time and, and everything better so that we can pray more. So one responsibility of every Christian is to pray, to learn the importance of prayer and learn how to pray more effectively. Now, Kenneth Hagin used to do, every year he would do what he, it was called the prayer seminar, and for a whole week, they'd have special services morning and evening, and all he would do was teach on prayer. And he talked, he'd always say he had this, you know, this Oklahoma accent, and he'd say, people just call, say prayer is prayer. He says, prayer is no more just prayer than sports is sports. And he'd always liken it to we have all these different sports, and every sport has different rules. Every sports have have a different goal, different rules, different techniques, things we have to do. You can't blend soccer in with football rules. Or you can't take baseball and make it in. It just doesn't work. But people tend to do that. We want to just put all prayer together. And if you stop and look and if you go through, and this is what he would go through when we were there. He went through it every year we were there. He said, having the attitude and mindset that prayer is just prayer is like saying sports are just sports. In reality, they're all different kinds of sports, all different goals, skills, and rules, and we have to learn to play each game according to that game and its rules. We can't just say that lay-me-down-to-sleep prayer. We can't just say, you know, pray over our meals, some pat little prayer. We can't just see the results of mountain moving in prayer if we don't know how to effectively pray. So there are many different kinds of prayers. And this is just a little appetizer. We're going to go into some other things. But many ways to pray. Um, It talks about in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3, and you don't need to turn there, but you've heard this scripture. It's it's written out um, about the prayer of supplication. It talks about the prayer of supplication. And so one of the ways to pray, one of the ways to pray is the prayer of supplication. Now that you should be familiar with. A lot of people are not familiar with that. Buddy Harrison taught the best teaching on the prayer of supplication and how to put that together, and we have used that time after time after time. A prayer of supplication is like a legal... Like a lawyer going before a judge and you take your evidence, you take what you have in the word of God and hold it up before God and make your petition. So when we've prayed, like we've prayed for things like for the election and we wrote out a prayer and we put down the scripture and then we listed exactly what we wanted to pray and then everybody can pray that together in an agreement and that is a prayer supplication. There is the prayer of faith. That's the big one that Hagen is known for teaching on, the prayer of faith. In James 5.15, it says, And the prayer prayer of faith will save the sick. And there's a whole thing in that. And people make it too pat because when you talk about you pray the prayer of faith, you pray it one time, and that's all you should have to pray it. But with Kenneth Hagen, he had exceptional faith a lot of times. So a lot of times we have to get the faith, take the time to get the word of God in the faith before we can just pray, pray about that. And once you pray the prayer of faith, there's fiery darts going to come. You have to learn how to stand on that. So the prayer of faith is another way to pray. But we can't just say, well, I'm just going to do it. Now I lay me. Oh, Lord, God, I need this and be done with it. It takes some effort. There are prayers of intercessions, reaching God with an urgent request, plead on behalf of another. It says in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus lives to ever make intercession for us, and the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. That's in Romans 8.26. Some people are really given to intercession where they just they have the time, they have the calling, they have, where they will just spend hours and hours praying for different things, different people specifically. But each one of us can. We just don't, maybe not as, as much. But that is a form of intercession, of, a form of prayer is intercession. There's a prayer giving of thanks. Just thanksgiving is a form of prayer. Acknowledging your thankfulness to God. And I think that's something we overlook often. There's the prayer of consecration. Jesus prayed that in Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. And how about this one? This is probably one of the ones we neglect the most, the prayer of repentance. Do we ever just get before God and just say, Father, forgive me. I know my attitude's been bad. I have some pride here and there. Um, I've not been spending time like I should with you, but create within me a clean heart and steadfast spirit. That's important because it helps to keep our, our hearts right. Of course, then there's praying in tongues. June 20 talks about, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We talk about the prayer of faith. And we all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you're born again, every believer is given a measure of faith. But when we have the Holy Spirit and we can pray in the other tongues in the Holy Spirit, it talks about, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. So when you just pray in tongues, not praying, people get confused between public tongues and private tongues. When you're just praying to yourself, what you're doing is building yourself up. Just like going to a weight room and lifting weights will build your muscles up, just simply praying in tongues will build yourself up on your most holy faith. It'll build up your spirit, man. And we want to pray the prayer of faith, and sometimes we wonder why we don't have faith. We need to build that faith up. So praying in tongues will help do that. Um, One thing that people do is they make a lot, we make a lot of mistakes in our praying. And there's really, I mean, the best way to learn to pray is just by doing it. You know, so many, the best way to learn to play soccer is by playing soccer. The best way to doing anything is just getting out and doing it. But we can improve and get better at it. And um, one of the biggest things, mistakes I think people make is cookie cutter prayer is what I call it. Somebody's seen somebody pray a certain way it worked that way for so-and-so we did it this way one time in 1989 you know and we just want to do it cookie cutter for one thing when you pray every individual is different mike prays differently than i do I pray differently than Mike does. We are different individuals. God puts different things on our hearts. We approach things differently. So we can't cookie cutter. God's going to use each one of us individually. And so we all need to be self-disciplined, but we also need to learn to be teachable, adaptable, and a little flexible. Doing the same thing over and over and over the exact way, it has to be like this, it has to be like this, will create a lifeless, legalistic lifestyle. Charles Capps years ago wrote a book and did several teachings, and it was entitled Kicking Over Sacred Cows. And back in the late 80s and early 90s, and all the fired-up, charismatic people kind of got this attitude that we were so much more spiritual than the generation before us. They had all these spiritual, sacred cows that they had to do. And I'll tell you, the charismatics and the word of faith people in the last 20, 30 years have built up so many sacred cows in our lives that it's hindering what God's trying to do right now, I believe. we have. We've, here, here's one. Got to have a prayer chain. Aunt Susie has a hangnail, so we got to p- call 57 people for a prayer chain. There's a time to get in agreement in prayer. Mike's sister used to call me every day, say, are you busy? (laughs) I I need you to pray. I need need Kent's aunt's brother-in-law's cousin's friend has a cold. Can you pray? At some point, we don't need a prayer chain. We've got to learn how to pray ourselves. There are things that are much bigger sometimes, and we need agreement. We need to be together, but we need to have confidence in our own prayer. She had no confidence that she she could pray anything herself and get results. And so instead of working at it, trying to learn about it, she just would call us, and she'd call us all the time, And, and frankly... I was not connected with her uncle's brother-in-law's cousin's girlfriend. I had no connect there, and it was just kind of a rote prayer. She needed to learn to pray, but it was she'd been in a prayer, charismatic prayer group, and that's what they always did. So that's what she always did, and so that was a sacred cow. Another sacred cow we came developed during the, the 80s and 90s was demon fighting. Now, I know we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. But not everything we're battling is a demon. Sometimes it's just our own flesh. And if we spend all our time casting out demons that aren't really causing the problem and not dealing with our own flesh... It's not going to be effective prayer. You know, people used to get in their cars and drive around town and and cast every demon out of every whatever. And there is some significance to that. There's a time and a place. But it became such a ritual, such a they loved to hear themselves scream, I think. And they weren't being led by the spirit. It talks about we need to be led by the spirit not by the works of the flesh. So, you know, loud yelling isn't necessarily going to solve every prayer problem we have. Perhaps we have to understand and have a know our authority in the name of Jesus, but the name of Jesus should do it. It doesn't take some of this. You don't have to put on your combat boots, okay? So... one of the things we have to develop is a personal prayer life. We have to learn how to pray, pray ourselves. Some people love emotional warfare. Some people just love to get emotionally revved up because I think it just makes them have good feeling, whatever. But if all we're ever doing is in the emotion, we're missing some of the essentials. So this, there's a young man and Micah follows him. We got a bunch of his books for Micah for Christmas. His name is David Hernandez. And I haven't read all of it, but I was, I've been looking through one of his. And he goes through, and it's so good, he talks about personal prayer life and about how areas we're missing it. And I believe where we've missed it. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about them. Number one. He talks about we must have a personal prayer life, and we have to start out that personal prayer life with silence. It's a self-discipline. We have to, and and he talks about it really isn't that difficult. Silence is we put away all the outer distractions. We turn off the phone, we shut off the TV, all technology, and get to a quiet place. And there's there's a time you can pray when you drive. There's a time you can pray together. But there's a time, and it's getting more and more difficult. We just have to shut everything off and get alone with God. We have to find that quiet place. And I'll be honest. The older generation complains a lot about the young generation and their phones and their technology. But there's nobody that I've witnessed in the last few years that are more disruptive with technology and phones than the older generation. I don't care what meeting you go to, they're pulling out their phones, they're looking at their phones, their phones are going off, and it's the older generation, so don't complain about the young ones if that's what you're going to do. When you come to pray, when we pray together, you you don't need to be pulling your phone out. You don't need to be checking whatever. Turn it off. And put it away. We need to have a quiet place. In Luke 5.16. Jesus went to a quiet place. I'm going to read you. If you want to turn there. In Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. 6. This is Jesus speaking. But you. You. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Sometimes I think there's a time for corporate prayer. But sometimes I think we get this, this idea that we have to have a big group together. There is a time we need to spend time with our heavenly father, ourself. We need some silence we need to go to that place with god number 2 so silence is is one thing we need to do to develop a personal prayer life stillness is another thing silence is in the natural realm stillness takes place in the soul silence removes the distractions of the flesh stillness removes the distractions of the mind and soul i love to go sit on our back deck it's quiet. It's peaceful. I can shut off the phone and the TV and everything. But my struggle is, when I sit down, is to get this to shut off. It, just, it will just go like this. And I'll take a deep breath. And, and that's the hardest thing. It's, you get, and so much is, like I said, life is so busy right now. It's just like it's so hard to shut this off. And it it, it takes work. And if you miss it, you just got to try again. That's all I can tell you because I just have to keep, you know, trying again. Stillness removes the distractions of the mind and soul. One of the best things I can say is just if you're having trouble getting your mind settled, here again, pray in the spirit. And just pray softly. And just build yourself so your spirit starts to take ascendancy over your mind. And it's tough. But stillness is is the ridding of the inner distraction. The racing thoughts, the persistent concerns, the fight and everything with the mentality. To find silence, you have to turn off the noise in the natural realm. To find stillness, it takes a total trust in God. It talks about in Psalm 46:10, "Be still and know that I am God." Now, there's a lot of different teachings on this scripture. It's dealing with a lot of different things, but frankly, how do we the best way to get to know God if we never are still and we're never silent? We're never going to get to know him. If you go out on a date and never stop talking long enough for the other person to speak, you're never going to get to know them. And yet, that's what people tend to do with God. Oh, God, 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 da 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 da. At some point, we need to learn to be still and listen. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Let's shorten that down a little. How about be still and know God? We are not, if, if you've ever noticed. God just doesn't talk incessantly to me all the time. It's, you know, a bit, he probably would if you can get still enough to listen. But when he says something, there's an impact on it. And usually, one of the best, I think, books ever written other than the Bible is Hagen's book on how to be led by the Spirit. And he talks about how God speaks to you. The number one is just that still inner witness. There's just that kind of inner knowing. And then there's the still, small voice. And he can speak in a more authoritative voice. He can speak in an audible voice. I've never heard it, but I think he can. I believe he can. But it's down in here where you hear from God. And if you're constantly busy, if you're constantly revved up, if you're constantly talking, if you're constantly doing all these things, how do you ever hear from God? And I know, you know, you've heard Mike, I'm sure, talk about how he'll come up and he he prays, but then he sits still. And the same thing happens to me. I'll be still. I'll get myself still. And you think, okay, God's going to say something magnificent right now. And usually he doesn't, to me anyway. But as I go through the day, if I've been still or quiet, when he does say something, it's I'm more apt to grasp it. I'm more apt to get it. Mike talks about he'll be up here, he'll be still, and he'll get in the car, and he'll head home, and he gets on Channel Road, and that's when he gets something from God. I don't know why that is. It's, I think you've just cleared yourself. I know I listened to Pastor Hank uh, talking about, you know, he has the big train thing. He likes his his toy train thing set up. And he'd say, he says, you know, he says, I spent all day, and I prayed, and I waited before God, and I didn't get anything, and I went in, and I worked on my trains. And when I was in there, suddenly God said something to me. I think it's just that sometimes you just got to clear yourself. you just got to clear that busyness and, and just trust God for it. If he doesn't say anything right now, trust him enough that when you need it, he will. So we have to learn to be still. We have to be, learn to be silent. Be still and know that I am God. Um, in James, I'm going to read this one in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Confess your trespasses one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Then it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We love the fervent part, but sometimes we forget about the effective part. And the thing is, when you sit and you're still and you take time to hear from God, you know, I have 5,000 things a day I could be praying for. I can sit and make a list of political things and Local things and family things and five thousand things, but when i 'm still, God can speak to my heart what I need to be what I need to be praying specifically i can 't pray you can 't pray about everything, but we have to get specific and pray those things that need to be prayed. We need to learn to be led by the Spirit of God, so what we 're going to do is um, There's four parts of prayer. Let me list those for you quick. Requesting, reverencing, reading, and resisting. And very quickly, David Hernandez talks about these. You know that we have to put our requests to God. In all things, by prayer and supplication, make your, your requests known to God. When you do that, be specific. So many times we're too general. If you know what you want, Make it a specific thing, list it out. And I'm going to go through this quick. The next thing is reverencing. We understand we need to praise and worship, but how often do we take time to just reverence God? In uh, praise and thankfulness to God is not to be seen by man. It brings peace, not exaggerated emotion. It reverences God, and it does not exalt the flesh. The presence of God is ushered in by worship. The presence of God needs to be honored. That is why, especially in group settings, our worship needs to be respectful to God and others, honorable to God and to others. David Hernandez says this, The presence of God deserves to be hosted with excellence. And for the sake of other people, there needs to be an orderly atmosphere, Movement in the crowd should be kept to a minimum. In other words, not running in and out and jumping up and down when everyone else is still. Phones and electronic devices should be silenced and put away. If you are drawing attention away from God and to yourself, you are out of order and it dishonors God, it is not respectful to God. Third thing, reading. Reading the word is a form of prayer, and without it, you are nothing more than an empty vessel. You have... Worldly forms of meditation, yoga, reiki, I don't know if that's how you say it, what they do is want you to meditate until you empty yourself. It talks about in the scriptures a person that is empty, swept, and clean is a place where the demonic influence can come in. When you meditate, it needs to be the word of God. You need to be filling yourself up. His word and his will are the same. You have to read the word of God in context, not cherry pick it. There's a big difference between sound doctrine and emotion, flesh driven to tradition. I'm summing this up fast. And then resisting. It talks about God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you don't take time to build a relationship with God, get strong in the word of God, you're never going to be able to resist the enemy when he comes. Now, that was that was quick, especially the last part. But we had, towards, right before service, several things that came up that we need to pray for. So Mike, he's going to come up and he's going to lead us in that. And I just want to encourage you. We've got to be praying. We've got to pray. We need to do it together. And we need to, you need to have a prayer life of your own.